Hey everybody, welcome into the Cubs Weekly Podcast presented by Wintrust, proud legacy partner of the Chicago Cubs and exclusive home of Cubs Check-In. Open online today at wintrust.com slash Cubs Weekly. As a reminder, we're available on all podcast platforms, so be sure to rate and subscribe. Tony Andraki joined by Andy Martinez, and we'll have Taylor McGregor on as well later in the podcast. Andy's kind of doing double duty on this podcast. He was in Arizona chatting with Taylor, much nicer backdrop than where we are here in Chicago. Uh, but Andy, you know, let's start. Well, this whole podcast is going to be all about the 2023 season. So predictions, uh, roster decisions, and all of that. But let's talk about these roster decisions because I know you and I were discussing leading up to, to Monday here in your last day in Arizona. I think we had a, a different idea of what the roster was going to look like. And then after talking to Jed Hoyer and everything else, we have a much clearer picture. And I got to say, there was at least one or two surprises there. Yeah, I think the biggest surprise easily is Luis Torrens, catcher, making the roster. It's a guy that signed in January on a minor league contract with an invite to spring or to big league camp, excuse me. And you kind of at least from my perspective, when he was signed and when he was in camp, it was kind of like he's there as depth. If t- something happens to Tucker Barnhart or Jan Gomes during spring training, he's probably gonna, he, he would probably be the next guy up to, to fill in. Never was really on anyone's radar in terms of like, hey, this guy could make the roster. This guy could be on the opening day 26. But he had a really good spring. Talking to people with the Cubs, they really liked what they saw out of him, both in major league games in spring training and in minor league games in spring training. We touched on it a little bit before or earlier, excuse me, but his timing was on. His offense yeah. profile is really good, and he's only 26 years old. They're so really high on him in terms of his potential. He kind of had a unique career path in the sense that he was a Rule 5 draft. He's kind of bounced around, but in 2021, he had 15 home runs with the Seattle Mariners. He's got some pop there, and, and it provides some depth in the form of similar to what P.J. Higgins did in 2022. The Cubs carried three catchers for the, a majority of, of 2022 in P.J. Higgins, Jan Gomes, and Wilson Contreras. And they loved that P.J. Higgins could catch uh, if they needed to give both Gomes and Contreras an off day or, or Contreras in the D.H. spot. They loved that they could play P.J. Higgins at first base for matchup perspectives or that he could pinch hit. And Torrance is probably going to be in that similar mold in the sense that he can play a little bit of second base. Probably won't be playing too much of second base, but if – there's an extra inning game or the matchups line up and they need him to play second base in a pinch, he can do it and he can catch or DH. So I think that's the versatility that they like. And there were some real concerns with talking with people with the Cubs that within his contract, he had an assignment clause where if he was not on the roster on opening day, another team could, if they were going to add him to their 26-man roster, he would the Cubs would have to let him go to, to that other team. And there was some concern that there was going to be a few teams that were going to be interested in him if he didn't make the Cubs opening day roster. Yeah, he he is a really fascinating guy because, like you said, he was just flying under the radar yeah. for everybody all, yeah. all spring. I mean, he wasn't in the starting conversation often. And, you know, obviously with Barnhart and Gomes, the Cubs felt like they had a good two-headed attack at catcher. And we've just talked so much and we've heard the Cubs talk so much about that catching tandem, about right. Barnhart and Gomes being veterans. And Gomes, you know, has not won a gold glove, but has been you know, has rave reviews about his defense throughout his career. You know, he's 35. He's been in the league for 10-plus years. Barnard has won two gold gloves. Like these guys, they were clearly going for the pitching and defense type of route all across the roster. That includes catcher. Here we are with Torrance, who's still young, who's still developing as a catcher, and he's more of a bat-first catcher than, than right. defensive. So, um, yeah, it's super interesting. I think, you know, it is really fascinating because even DH, like, if there was the option to platoon or pinch hit, like, the Cubs still have Mancini as probably right. the primary DH this year, and then Patrick Wisdom, and especially when Seiya Suzuki comes back, there's quite a few right-handed bats as well. You know, Nick Madrigal is out there. So, like, 
the Cubs have a decent amount of right-handed bats. So like it, it seems a little bit like an odd fit on paper, but it totally makes sense that they don't want to let him go. He, again, he is only 26. Like right. he's injuries happen to the catching position for sure. And right now with Miguel Amaya, they don't want to put him into a spot right. where they have, even though he's on the 40 man roster, they got to call him up. So yeah, the Torrens one is, is certainly interesting. I mean, I remember we watched him in a minor league game and he was, it was uh early March. So it was still pretty early in spring training, but he was raking. He had like yep. four straight, he was leading off every half inning and Caleb Killian was pitching and a couple other like Cubs prospects. And he, he hit everything straight away to center field. Like you were talking about his timing. I mean, he let off with a double. I think he had like a homer straight away center field, uh, a ball off the wall and like right center. Like he was, he was smacking the ball. And then he had that two home run game as well. So Definitely, I, I can see the bat, see the appeal there, but I was that came out of left field for me that that he was you know going to be on the opening day roster here. Yeah, that was a total surprise. And, and to your to your point, you mentioned if something happens to Tucker Barnhart or Jan Gomes early on in the season, Miguel Miguel Amaya is not catching full time yet. He's not doing everything a hundred percent at baseball activities. He's the he's the only other catcher on the forty man roster besides Barnhart and Gomes. So if something happened, they were not in a position to be ready to call up Miguel yeah. Amaya so early on in the season. If this if that were to happen in August or September, maybe that's a different case if he's if Amaya's healthy and, and catching and playing. But this gives them some flexibility in that sense too. But there was Torrance was one of the, the surprises too. Uh, for maybe an outsider's perspective, the other one was Christopher Morrell being optioned to Triple A Iowa. From if you were kind of following the team and just talking to some people, you could kind of you kind of had a sense that there was a chance that this could happen. Um, we talked about it even on this podcast right. for a while, yeah. right? So you kind of had an idea that was coming, but it was still a little bit of a shock in the days leading up, in the sense that with Seiya Suzuki's injury and with the fact that his timeline is kind of middle of April, late April, at worst case scenario, if if everything continues to go as mm-hmm. planned. There was no sense in adding Mike Talkman to the 40-man roster like a lot we thought early on because of we didn't know the extent of Seiya Suzuki's injury. With Morrell, it was like, okay, then maybe he's the, the next bat that they add, and they let him play right field, they let him move around the, the diamond. But as things started playing out in spring training, Miles Mastroboni looked really, really good yeah. in spring. He can play in the corner outfields. He can play all across the infield. So having that versatility and left-handed bat was really valuable. And So it didn't make sense to have Christopher Morrell and have him play once a week once every 10 days, that type of thing for his development. So that was the message that they said to Morell. They said, hey, you're not going to help us here more than every every once in a while. So it doesn't help your development. It doesn't help the Cubs in the long term if he's playing once every 10 days. And if he goes 0 for 2 in those 10 days, that's just not good from a mental perspective or, sure. or from, from, from a growth standpoint. So it made a ton of sense to be able to to start him at AAA, get regular at-bats, and Kind of fix some of the 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 issues that he had late on in the second half from a from a hitting perspective. Yeah, and to be able to add towards the roster, you talked about already Talkman, but the forty man roster crunch. The Cubs yeah. throughout all spring had a full forty man roster, and so to add some non roster guys, Torrens obviously will be one of them. Yep. At the time of this podcast, hasn't officially been added to the roster yet, but the Cubs cleared up room because they traded Zach McKinstry away, which we we all you know kind of understood, and we've even been talking about what? this, Andy, like on the podcast and apart from it that. The fit with McKinstry wasn't quite there because he's out of options. Mastroboni can do a lot that McKinstry can, yep. you know, be versatile, left-handed bat, you know, kind of a high-contact guy. But Mastroboni also can play the outfield, and the Cubs trust him out there a little bit more, I think, than they did with McKinstry, who had some experience yep. in L.A. So McKinstry's gone, dealt to Detroit for a single-A pitcher. 
Uh, and then Rowan Wick, who the Cubs committed over a million dollars to this winter to bring back in the bullpen, he ended up being outrighted to AAA Iowa, so off the 40-man roster. So that cleared up two spots. So Andy, take us through what the bullpen's going to look like and where that second spot on the 40-man roster, one going to Torrance, who's going to be taking that other spot in beyond the opening day roster, you think? Uh, now, I, I would, if at the time of the recording I had to pick, it'd probably be Mark Leiter Jr. It seems like Brandon Hughes is going to start on the injured list. He's fully healthy. There were some concerns with the left knee inflammation, and he's talking to people. He's fully healthy. The issues are when he wasn't healthy, he was form, He was starting to form some, some bad mechanics. He was starting to not be what he was doing in 2022 to success at 100%. And so they wanted to correct that more so than get him healthy because they wanted to make sure that it's not leading to bad habits and, and straying from what led him to be a successful reliever in 2022. So they're, they're, they're doing that. He didn't play in Monday's game. He didn't pitch in Monday's game like he was supposed to. Part of that is so that the Cubs can backdate the IL stint. So the IL, they can put him on the on the 15-day IL um on opening day and they can backdate it to i believe it'll be at that point it'll be monday whereas if he had played monday it would have been tuesday so they get an extra day in that sense and they can bring him back within 10 days so it leaves the cubs with no lefty relievers in the bullpen with brandon hughes and then there was there was ryan barucki was one candidate anthony k two non-roster invitees and ronnie salias probably to a certain to a lesser extent um were the left-handed options for the chicago cubs k and barucki seems like they're going to go to, to Iowa and the Cubs left-handed specialist will be Mark Leiter Jr. And there's some there's some real intrigue with Mark Leiter Jr. in the sense that he has reverse splits. So he gets out he gets lefties out at a better clip than he does righties. And the Cubs really like that because it forces teams to not necessarily pinch hit for Mark Leiter Jr. because they know he can get both both guys out and, and it creates some some problems and Mark Leiter Jr. had a ton of success as a reliever last year. The splitter was one of the best pitches in baseball, and he is he, he's really valuable to the Cubs in the bullpen, and they didn't want to lose him because he had an opt-out if he didn't make the, the big league roster. And similar to Torrens, there was real concern that they were going to lose him if they didn't, if they didn't place him on the, on the on the 26-man roster. Yeah, that splitter right, became a weapon for Leiter, yeah. who you know, the Cubs tried him out as a starter. It didn't really work so well, but like you said, they definitely found something in – the bullpen, and I know you had a really good story last summer and then as the year went on of how Leiter became this high leverage guy in the bullpen. Yeah. And I remember a quote from Ross that always sticks out to me that uh, I can't remember if he said it towards the end of last year or earlier this year, but it was like, you know, the, he always pieces things together with the ninth inning unless he's had like a guy like Craig Kimbrell, which right. even this roster doesn't have this surefire closer. But he's like, even last year, Mark Leiter Jr. ended up with three saves. Like, nobody predicted that at the beginning right. of the season. Nobody predicted that in, at like, May 1st or June 1st no. even. So um, Leiter definitely was a was a really interesting guy, and it was a guy that we talked about too, that, like, when the Cubs took him off the 40-man roster, when they DFA'd him over the winter, that was a bit of a surprise as well. Um, so it seems like the the – um, everything's lining up to where the Cubs are almost kind of amending that decision where Wick is the guy now off the roster, maybe Leiter yeah. is the guy on. So I don't know if it's, you know, kind of rewriting history a bit, but certainly seems the Cubs are, have a lot of confidence in Leiter and a guy that they don't want to lose for all the reasons you've just explained. Uh, one guy that the Cubs definitely will not be losing for the yeah. next few years, Nico Horner. Reports are, as of Monday night, He's being signed to an extension. He's going to be in Chicago through the 2026 season. So that takes up one year of his free agent contract. He had still three years left of team control. But this is like a no-brainer move for the Cubs, yeah. I think. It was something that we had talked about, you know, Jed had even talked about and, and kind of singling out Ian Happ and Nico Horner because that's who they've been asked about. But those were the two most 
uh, most likely extension candidates on right. the Cubs. Nico's is no brainer, right? Like he's a guy who showed last year he can be healthy, can be an elite defender, and he's a huge part of this team. So it's you know it's certainly awesome for Cubs fans that they know that he's going to be around for four more years for sure. Yeah, that's the thing is is it create there's always been the, the cloud with is this guy going to get extended what's going to happen now you know for the next four years he is a chicago cub and there, there's no questions about it and for for both sides it was a really smart deal in the sense that if nico horner decides he wants to test free agency he'll still be 29 he'll still be in a prime position if he wants to go that route and for the cubs it, it locks him up for for four years but at the same time if they want to revisit it in 2025 or so, yeah. like they can do that and both parties can, can figure it out. So this to me was a no brainer and a win-win for both sides. And it doesn't break the bank, but no. it gets Nico paid earlier than yes. he would if he just went through the arbitration process. Right. And, yeah. and it, it just, from a, from a fine, from a financial perspective for Nico Horner too, there's the, the security of, you know, if, if God forbid he breaks his leg tomorrow, he's, he's okay. He, he's got the, the contract. So it, it just made sense for both parties and, Really, I think Nico's value will go up this season. He, he was, I believe, a 4.4 war player per it baseball was, yeah. reference at shortstop. And I think the offensive profile and the improved defense should make him an even could even make him an even more valuable war player at second base. We'll see how that happens. But I think it's just going to be a, a, a really good extension for both sides. Did you go. get him in the marquee fantasy league? I don't think I did, no. Okay, I didn't either, but he was a guy that I've targeted on a couple fantasy teams this year because I, I agree with you. I think Nico's taking the next step, which honestly we'll get to later yeah. too, and I'll explain more um, about that. But let's get into some of the, the fun kind of like yeah. yearbook type things, like predictions and what the season is going to to entail for the Cubs. But before we do that, let's rewind a bit okay. and talk about favorite spring training moment so far. What was yours? So it goes right back to Nico Horner's. The last day I was in Arizona, which was Sun, or excuse me, Monday. There's a lot of roster decisions being made the last few days, and some guys, when when they get the, the news, whether it's good or bad, a lot of guys go on the phone and talk to significant others, family members, and they step outside and and they they're on the phone talking to those significant others. At one point on Monday, Nico Horner walked out into the agility field at Sloan Park, was on his phone, had the biggest smile I've ever seen from Nico Horner on his face was FaceTiming a lot of people, was really, really happy. And at the time, we are like, oh, like, I wonder what, like, what it is. A few hours later, the reports come out that he signed an extension. Don't know 100% sure if that's when he found out that the extension was taking place, but it's, it's a really strange coincidence if it isn't. So it was really, really cool to see that moment and just see the pure joy in Nico Horner's face um, in, in that moment. And if it wasn't the extension, then I was just glad to see Nico Horner happy then. <laughs> It was infectious, right? Yes, yes. Exactly, exactly. But you're right. I mean, Nico's a guy that, you know, he does smile. He's not necessarily like Ian Happ when Happ first came up. You right. could hardly coax a smile out of him. But he doesn't show a ton of emotions. Right. So I can only imagine what that was like. But I remember you and I were joking around via text before that, like, oh, Nico's extension coming. And then yeah. like 12 hours later, not even, yeah. it, was, it was out there. So uh, that was pretty funny. But you definitely called that one just based off of body language and reading that. Uh, my favorite spring training moment was the first no-hitter in Cubs yep. spring history. thought that was pretty cool. You know, Justin Steele started that off, and uh, it was it it was crazy to me that the Cubs had never accomplished a spring right. training no-hitter, but also then I started thinking about how rare it is to do that. You're changing pitchers out probably more than you are in the regular season, yeah. certainly at that point where the starter, Steele, was only going two innings. So, uh, you know, Saad pitched in that game, looked pretty, well, pretty good too. So, like, I thought that was a pretty cool moment. And the uh, 
the aftermath of it, like Tucker Barnhart getting some fun watches and stuff <laughs> for like Tommy Hadovy, bullpen coach Chris Young, and then for um, who caught the? I think it was Gomes, and I think Torrens might have actually. I think caught yeah, that. yeah. So uh, so Barnhart like got him gifts, got him sparkling cider instead of champagne, which was like a big thing that Wade Miley did last year. Yeah. So I thought that was that was really funny. It was like a cool spring moment. It was the perfect thing that kind of encapsulated baseball's back but like this doesn't necessarily mean anything but hey it's pretty fun and so I enjoyed that quite a bit um but Andy overall you know you were down in spring for most of the last six weeks you had a you know only about a 10-day stretch where you weren't down there what was your takeaways from from covering this team from watching this team as we go into the year what did you what do you think you've learned or maybe confirmed about the Cubs in spring training I think it's the defense is real um I think Sunday's game was the epitome of against the Royals was the epitome of what they hope this team is. Justin Steele goes deep into a game and pitches well. The defense behind him is elite. Dansby Swanson made, I believe it was four, like really, really solid highlight plays at shortstop. Nico Horner made a nice play at second base. Eric Hosmer made a nice diving stop at first base. The defense was on full display, and it it, it stole some outs. The the one that uh, there was a lot of defensive plays that that got a lot of shine, Pete Crow Armstrong early on in spring, but – there was a play that Dansby Swanson made up with, where the ball went up the middle in that Royals game. It's a surefire single. There's a runner on second. That runner's going to score. Dansby stops it, flips it to second for one out. It wasn't a double play, but that was the metric defensive run save. That was literally a run saved, yeah. but by Dansby Swanson. They, they got out of the inning after that. I think the defense is is real. It's as good as, as advertised, and, and seeing that on display in one of the last games of spring training, I think that was an encouraging sign if you're a Cub fan because it, it shows that, all right, what they've been preaching and what they've been saying, there's some truth to it. Yeah, and I think it's just kind of funny, too, the, the Dansby aspect of it all. You know, he struggled to find his stroke offensively yeah. for almost the entire spring, and he made some nice plays here and there. But then, yeah, like opening day is less than a week away, and here comes Dansby. Like, yeah. the, like Sunday was the epitome of – this is why the Cubs committed $177 million to this guy. Like, the defense hits his first homer, follows it up Monday with another homer. Like, bam, you know, he's ready for the season. So I thought that was perfect, too, like this perfect snapshot of what this team can be when Dansby is at his best. So I agree with you on that. But I did have one other kind of thought and takeaway, and that, to use your phrase, that the defense is real. I think the pitching depth is real in this organization. Like, I was thinking that – Samson, Adrian Samson was going to be the fifth starter. I thought the Cubs right would rely on the veteran, the success at the big league level, but also just the veteran reward a guy like that. Hayden Wisniewski, Javier Saad, I think are both very impressive pitchers, had a great run last year. I thought they were going to start in AAA. They're both probably going to be on the big league roster, or they definitely will they be will on the be, big yeah, league yeah. roster. Wisniewski, the fifth starter, Saad in the bullpen. So that's pretty crazy. Uh, you know, Samson didn't have the best spring, but he's still there in AAA, one call away if the Cubs need him. And then all these different guys and We'll get to some of them for sure, too. But, like, when a guy like Rowan Wick, who who didn't look that bad or anything in no. spring training, when he's getting DFA'd or, sorry, outrighted to, you know, to AAA and off the 40-man roster and Mark Leiter Jr. is coming up, and we're talking about all these different names. Like, Tyler Duffy is a very accomplished veteran yeah. pitcher. He's one of the best a, relief pitchers over a three-year span yeah. before last year. Right, and, you know, a lot of success in Minnesota, and he was a minor league invite, and he's not going to make the big league roster most likely right. if Leiter gets that last spot. So, um, I'm just I'm impressed with that. All the young guys coming up, like the Jeremiah Estradas, Cam Sanders, a bunch of guys coming up through the system. That that AAA, both the rotation because Elias as well. Like I think that's going to be really interesting down the stretch. He's going to pitch some meaningful games for the Cubs this year. But the the AAA rotation and then the bullpen. Like there are a lot of guys that I'm going to be looking at, and we may see the entire 
like opening day roster for AAA, the pitching staff, we may see them in the big leagues at some point this year because they're all that good. Yeah, I think we will. Cam Sanders, Dennis Correa. There's a lot of guys that yeah, are very interesting. Very interesting. Have a lot of stuff that there's. We know how the season goes. There's going to be injuries. There's going to be guys that that don't have success that need to be funneled up and down. And, and you're going to see a lot of young relievers in the big leagues in 2023. So, Andy, we know that there's been a few big rule changes. Yep. Shift, pitch clock, bigger bases. How do you see the new rules affecting the Cubs in 2023? I think it's going to highlight the defense going back to that point. Great. I think Nico Horner and Dansby Swanson are going to to have those guys up the middle with the with the – the thing is, is, is there's no shifting, but there's still some shifting, right? right? When it's a left-handed batter, Dansby Swanson will be right up against, will be right at the edge of where he can be, and Nico Horner will be shifted a little bit. So there's still somewhat of a shift. It's just not the intense shift that we saw before this season. But having that athleticism, having that skill is really valuable and should help the Cubs just get more outs and, and, and help their pitching staff out. So I think that's the big thing. I think the the fans are going to really, if you haven't been watching spring training too closely, I think you're really going to love the pitch clock. It kills yeah, some great. of the, I mean, I, I went to a, a World Baseball Classic game between Columbia and, and Great Britain, and it was it was a fun game. But then I looked at my clock, and I'm like, it's the sixth inning, and I've been here for three hours. Like, <laughs> this is this is the long one. Yeah. And then there's there's games where there's action, there's, there's a lot going on, and it's still the nine innings that you know and love of the game, but it kills some of the downtime of the guy kicking the dirt or – rubbing his hands or, or rubbing the ball making sure it's perfect and, and it just kills all that downtime and, and gets you to the action more uh, quicker yeah I, I agree I think the quicker games but like from a fan experience you know from being there watching games in person and then watching games in, in on TV since I've returned to Chicago I haven't noticed a major difference except on the clock like I'm yeah. not watching it and being like oh wow this is too rushed this feels too quick and right so I think that that's certainly interesting, but I agree with you 100%. I think the Cubs are in a prime position to succeed in these new rules because their defense, because they have two gold glove caliber shortstops up the middle that would help them with shifting, but also because of the new rules with base running. And the Cubs pushed the envelope last year for sure, trying to take advantage of some of these base running rules with the pitcher disengagements, bigger bases, all that. So I think the Cubs are definitely primed to, to take advantage of it. Um, but Andy, as we talk about just some of the players in previewing this season, who are some of the guys that are flying under the radar? Maybe one or two that you think of that isn't getting enough credit but is going to play a big role in the Cubs this year. We touched on him a little bit, but I think it's Miles Mastroboni. I think he was uh, when he he was in the same boat that I think Javier Sada was when he went away to the WBC. My initial reaction was like, it's going to be hard for him to make the team. Like, yeah. It's it, like he's not away. He's he's away. It's the the coaches aren't going to be able to see him. David Ross is not going to be able to see him. This is going to be a huge effect. And he had a really great WBC. Played in some high-intensity games. Played against Japan in Japan, which was like one of the most watched games in the world in, yeah. in baseball. And he was in that high-pressure environment and, and played well. And I think he's going to have some some impact this season, whether it's early on in the season, later on in the season. I think he's a really interesting guy to watch. He puts up a good at-bat every time. And, and being in those high-intensity games got him locked in earlier so that he was having success when everyone was just starting to finally get into, into the groove. He was already having a lot of success, and I think that's going to help him. I think he's the guy that I'm really watching that I think could have, could be a guy that you're not maybe circling right now, but that later on in the season you're like, man, he had a good season. Yeah, it's funny. He was one of the guys that I wrote down too, but I just watching him play the last week or so of spring training after he got back from the World Baseball Classic, I keep thinking of him, and he's had all these big hits. He's going to be like a guy – like Mike Fontenot or Darren Barney, right. some of the guys we've interviewed here on right. the Cubs Weekly Podcast, but like that people 
think in 10 or 20 years from now they're gonna be like oh yeah miles mastroboni like he just seems like a cubs not necessarily icon but like that kind of like b-level type player that right. fans fall in love with grinds out at bats and becomes like that name so i certainly agree with that and his triple a numbers last year in tampa were great i think 12 or 20 homers 20 stolen bases high yep. on base guy like he can do it all obviously play all around the field a guy that I'm thinking, you know, in terms of under the radar is Julian Merriweather. And mm-hmm. I know I've been, you know, kind of pounding this drum for a bit. And I tweeted out, like, his his uh, pitch mix, you know, one of the earlier spring games. But, like, he's been working on his off-speed stuff. This is a guy that was in the mix for the Blue Jays closer going into the 2021 season. Ended up getting hurt. Jordan Romano got the job. And now Romano is one of the better closers, if not, you know, a top-five closer in baseball right now. So, Merriweather is right there with him. Like, he has the stuff. He dials it up to 97-plus, you know, every time out. Cubs were really working on his secondary stuff and trying to keep him healthy because that's the big thing. Yeah. I think if he can stay healthy, which he has been all spring, he can put it together. He can, be, he can like, become a late-inning, high-leverage guy for the back of this bullpen. So I'm really curious to see, and he was a waiver claim, too, kind of flew under the radar just even when the Cubs acquired him this winter. Um, but, Andy, as you look at this season – what do you think will be the biggest surprise for the Cubs this year? I think it's going to be how good the pitching staff is. I think that the we saw kind of the a preview in twenty late in twenty twenty two in terms of how good the rotation can be. I think the rotation is going to be really really solid this year. I think Jamison Tyon adding that sweeper slider that that he had been working on even before he signed with the Cubs, just talking to Craig Breslow and while he was in the free agency process. I think he's going to take a new level. I think we know what Marcus Stroman is. Don't have to worry about that. And then I think Hayden Wesneski right now. Is the fifth starter in the rotation. I think in July you might be looking at him as like number two or number three. I think he is going to be, he has the potential to be really, really good starting pitcher for the Chicago Cubs. And I think that's going to elevate it when you look at that and you think, well, now Justin Steele, who's pretty dang good himself, is going to be a four. And Drew Smiley might be a five. And oh, by the way, Kyle Hendricks might be coming. And Caleb Killian, who's looked a lot better this spring and he's healthy, could be another option. And Adrian Sampson, like we talked about, I think it just opens up so many doors. And it, it shows the depth that they've been building and, and the infrastructure that they've been building from a pitching perspective. I think it, it has the potential to be really, really good this year. I have another bold prediction for later, but since you just brought that up with Wesneski, I'm going to give you one of my bold predictions okay. now. It's not for the 2023 season, but it's in his Cubs career, Hayden Wesneski will make an opening day start or start game one of a playoff series. I, I would not be shocked by that. I, I believe he has that type of potential for sure. And yeah. I, yeah, I mean given that Stroman and Hendricks are not signed past this year. Tyon does have a few years left. But, like, I certainly can see uh, Wesneski be a guy that elevates himself to the top of of this rotation at some point. For me, I think, you know, a big surprise around this team is I actually think this Cubs offense is going to be more impactful and, you know, higher up than, than a lot of people think. And I have saw some of the, like, lineup projections and power rankings and stuff from various outlets. And the Cubs were usually in the bottom third, like somewhere around 2021 range. I'm not saying that they're going to be a number one offense or even a top five, but I think their offense is going to surprise people. And I think when you have Cody Bellinger, if he gets back to what he can be, Trey Mancini was one of the more underrated signings in all of baseball, I think, this winter. A guy that has a 30 home run season in the past and was a, you know, at the trade deadline last year when the Orioles were getting rid of him, like he was a super hot commodity. He just didn't end up hitting a ton with Houston down the stretch. So uh, I think there's that. And then Seiya, when he comes back and returns to health, I think he can certainly take another step. Then you still have Nico, Dansby, Hap, um, you know, this catching trio now as well. So I, I do think that this is, you know, and then Mastroboni, Madrigal, Rios, uh, Wisdom, like all these little ancillary pieces too. I think this offense will surprise people. And maybe on paper, um, 
you know, experts are not thinking they're necessarily going to do well, but I think they're going to surprise people. But um, as I've mentioned, Rios too, like, I'll ask you this, but I, I kind of want to answer first. So 2023 Cubs breakout player, for me, I feel like Edwin Rios, this yeah. is the year that he puts himself on the map. He's 28. He's had chances the last four or five years with the Dodgers in the big leagues. Never had a full opportunity to take advantage of playing time. Now he does because you already mentioned him before, but he can play first. He can play third. He can DH. And we've seen the power. I mean, he had seven extra base hits in spring, including four homers. He slugged almost 600 throughout spring, yeah. which spring training doesn't results don't really matter. But, like, it was impressive, some of these home runs that he hit. And, uh, you know, he he's, has a history of this. He hit 20 homers and just right around 260 MLB at-bats at throughout his career. He had an 875 OPS in his career in AAA. In 2019, he had 31 homers, 91 RBI, and just over 100 games. Like, this is a guy that has done it, has just needed an opportunity. Now the Cubs are giving him one. I think this is the year that he kind of just takes off. Yeah, I think from an offensive perspective, I think he could be – I think you said Trey Mancini could be an underrated sign. I think Edwin Rios could yeah. be, end up being the most underrated sign that the Cubs made this season. But I think the guy that I'm going with the breakout is – and I mentioned him a little bit earlier, was Hayden Wesneski. I think, like I mentioned, he can be a, a, a close to the front of the rotation starter. He's looked really, really good. He was in a compete mode the whole time while other guys were, you know, fine-tuning pitch grips or fine-tuning sequencing or things like that early on in camp. He was competing as if every game was game seven because he wanted to win that fifth fifth spot in the rotation, and he was competing. So he went all out. So kind of like Mastroboni and, and Assad and some of these WBC guys, He's been in a high-pressure-packed environment since the beginning. I think that's going to benefit him as a, as a regular season starts. So I think he'll have a ton of success and be the breakout player for the Cubs this season. Yeah, it was, I was listening to a podcast a few days ago just about fantasy baseball, but it was about some of the guys that um, saw their stock rise the most in spring training. And one of the ones that I was thinking of from the Cubs' perspective, not fantasy, just real life, is Hayden Wesneski. I mean, just all around baseball, it's hard to hard to – look around and point to different guys like Anthony Volpe yep. in, in New York or Jordan Walker in St. Louis are some of the guys that have certainly seen their stock rise. But Wesneski as well, just even from a national like baseball perspective, he's a guy who has certainly been put on the map. Like Everybody knows his name now, whereas he was maybe an afterthought coming into spring outside of Chicago. So yeah, I agree with that 100%. Um, Andy, as we look at MVP, 2023, who's your pick for the Cubs MVP this year? I think I'm going to go with Nico Horner. I think just like I mentioned. I think so he's. Mine. Yeah, I know. I think. <laughs> I think the, the being in, at second base. I think it's, his value is going to increase. So I think I'm going to go with Nico Horner. I think that's the, the the safe bet from my perspective. Yeah. No. And to piggyback off that, I think just hitting leadoff. Like yeah. the Cubs have needed a stable leadoff hitter. I think he has the skill set to do it. Now the Cubs haven't liked him doing that as much in the past because he is so good with runners on. But he he has like a tone setting ability about him. Ross has said that he just he's a little spark plug for the team. So. Uh, yeah, I certainly think that Nico is has a chance to be the Cubs MVP, and I think Mancini is a dark horse candidate yeah. as well because he's going to be hitting, you know, four or five for this team, be playing several different positions uh, defensively as well. But he's a guy that you know he certainly could lead this team, and maybe is the most likely guy to lead the team in home runs and RBI this year. So I think he's a candidate for sure for MVP. Who we got as Cy Young, Cubs Cy Young in 2023? I really want to go with Hayden Wozniacki, but I can't make <laughs> him break sure. a player in Cy Young, yeah. so I'm going to go with Jamison Tyon. I think. Like I mentioned, I think he's going to take a new step this year. I think he was really successful in a really good signing this year. But I just think just some of the pitch mix he's added, and he didn't walk a single guy in spring training. Again, Not one. Again, spring training stats. You could have the greatest spring training and but not that, have a good season. But that matters, right? Like, like so, He yeah, has control. Yes. 
Like he has control. Yes. He's not. He's gonna attack hitters. He's gonna go after hitters. He's not gonna baby around them or mess around. Like he's gonna attack hitters. I think he's. I think he really could be one of the better pitchers in baseball this year, just with the new the new pitch things that he's been the new pitch pitches he's been working on. I think he can take a whole new step this year, and I think it could. I think it could be, from pitching perspective, a really, really good signing when you look back on it at the end of the season. Yeah, and I, when the Cubs signed him, and Tyone was talking about it, but like Hadavi and the Cubs were talking about it as well, that they think he can take another step with the team. Because I had Tyon on here as well as yeah. my as an option for Cy Young this year. But he's a former number two overall pick, like a, a super highly rated prospect for a number of years in Pittsburgh and then in New York. But two Tommy John surgeries, you know, battled cancer and stuff as well, rose above that. But then last year, he had a really solid season in New York, but he was coming off off-season ankle surgery. So right. he wasn't even able to have a spring training the way that he did this year. So I, I certainly think that there's like a, a strong potential that he has the best year of his already pretty solid MLB career this season. So I have him as Cy Young. But the other pick that I had, because I had a feeling you might go tie on, was uh, Justin Steele. Yeah. And if you look, the last two months before Steele, a back injury really um, cost him the last like five weeks of last season. No NL pitcher, no NL starting pitcher had a better ERA than Justin Steele from like late June to late August or whatever it was when he got hurt. But it was a two-month calendar stretch where Justin Steele was the best pitcher in the National League. I think he has that potential. I think he was super efficient, to your point, on Sunday's game where he threw six shutout innings but then had to go to the bullpen and throw more right. because he still didn't even get up to the same pitch count. And he had like five or six strikeouts as well. So yeah. I think he'll lead the team in strikeouts. I think he'll have the best K per nine of, of the starting rotation. Uh, maybe, you know, joined by Wesneski up there. But I think he has the chance to be like the ace of this team moving forward for sure. So I think he's a Cy Young pick. Um, Andy, though, as we're looking at the schedule, what series in 2023 are you circling and anticipating outside of London? Because I know you talked to Jordan Bastian <sighs> last week. And London was I was the one hoping you, guys, you wouldn't add that caveat. Yes, because like, London is, I mean, I, everybody wants to watch that yeah. London series or go to the London series as Cubs and Cardinals fans. Like, that's awesome. Outside of that, what do you pick? So this one, this year for sure, it's really tough because they're playing everyone, right? Before you could get away with, oh, they're only playing the AL East, so I can pick someone from the AL East. But I'm going to go with the Angels. Shohei Otani, Mike Trout at Angel Stadium. I think that's going to be such a fun series. See, see the Cubs go up against the two of the greatest players in the world right now. I think that's going to be so much fun. And yeah. I, my only hope is that Shohei Otani is pitching so we could see him pitch and hit in the series. That would be really awesome. I, I've not seen Shohei Otani play live, yeah. so that would be pretty cool. Um, uh, you know, I had a few, but I think I'm looking at Boston coming to Wrigley Field yeah. in late July. It actually kicks off the second half, so probably mid-July. But the Cubs have a 10-game homestand right after the All-Star break. So they welcome in the Red Sox, kicks off the second half. The Nationals and Cardinals all come in, but a 10-game homestand to start the second half as the Cubs are deciding maybe whether they're going to be sellers or buyers right before the trade deadline. I think that's going to be a huge stretch, and that Red Sox series kicks it off. So that's what I'm penciling in. Uh, I think it's the 14th through 16th of July. Uh, Andy, bold prediction time. Okay. What's your bold prediction for the 2023 Cubs season? I think the Cubs are going to have a top 10 starting rotation in baseball per ERA. I think they're going to be. That, I think that rotation is going to be that. I don't good. think that's that bold. I well, okay, then I'll go top five. All right, make all it right, bolder. that's bold. That is bold. I think the I think the rotation is, is is as good as advertised. I think the er the era will help too, just because of the defense. I think the defense. You're saying snap. top five MLB or nationally? MLB, MLB, yeah, okay, MLB. Yeah. yeah, like I think I think that that is the potential. I think right now, uh, to your point about outsiders, I think probably outsiders probably have a middle of the pack at best. It's because they don't have the flashy guys, right? You don't have like a Max Scherzer or a Justin Verlander yeah. or like 
one of these power pitchers at the top of the rotation. The Cubs are going to hope this year that you don't need that type of guy to, 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 to have success. I think they can show that they can do that, and I think there's, they're going to have one of the better rotations in baseball this year. Yeah, I mean, they had the third best ERA in, in all of majors in the entire second half right. last year, and that was with guys like Steele and Keaton Thompson and Hendricks and a lot of these other guys that were hurt, and, you know, Assad and Wesneski and Drew Smiley, all guys that are back and pitching for this team were, were making a lot of starts right. for them down the stretch. Uh, so I have a couple of bold predictions. One was just going off of what I was saying about Justin Steele is I think he earns at least one Cy Young vote this year, and maybe even more than that. I think he's in the Cy Young consideration. I'm not necessarily saying he wins it or is a finalist, but I think there are several writers around the league are going to be voting for him when the time comes. Another of mine, going back to Nico Horner as well, I think he starts the All-Star game at second base this year. Yeah. The National League second base field is um, it's not great. Like There are a bunch of guys out there that certainly could have good seasons like Cattell Marte and Ozzie Albies, uh, you know, coming off injury for Albies. Jonathan India, too, as well, like Luis Arise in Miami now. You know, he has an option. Jeff McNeil, too, could could be a hits leader. Like, these guys are all very solid players. But to me, I think Nico, especially now that he's leading off, like, he could be up there among hits leaders, runs leaders, stuff like that, maybe even stolen base leaders for a time uh, just around the NL this year. So I think he's a guy that, that can end up starting yeah. the National League it's starting for the National League at second base. And he could win the Gold Glove for the National League at second base, too. So I think Definitely, that helps his yeah. case, too. For sure. Um, before we go and take a break here, what do, you, do you have a bold prediction for the entire 2023 MLB? Not not Cubs, just all MLB. So I, this is going to sound not – I have a couple, but they're they're bold but not bold, if that makes sense. I think the Angels finally make the playoffs. Like, I think – Every Angels one too. Uh, like, I think the Angels will make the playoffs. I'm going to go – this again. This is really bold. I don't think the Mets make the playoffs. I think the oh, NL wow. East is loaded. Like I think the Braves are the best team in that division. To get hurt, losing Edwin Diaz is is a big, big blow to the to the Mets. The the Phillies are <laughs> went to the World Series. They're pretty good, yeah. and they play everyone. So the, the schedule balances out a little bit. That we'll see how they do against the AL. The AL. I'm going to go on a bold prediction. As much as they spent, a lot of the money that they spent was bringing back guys. Right. They added Max Scherzer, but they lost Justin Verlander. They brought back Brandon Nimmo. They brought back Edwin Diaz. Like A lot of the money was spent in bringing back guys that got them to second place in the NLE. So I'm going to go bold prediction. The Mets miss out on the playoffs. I think you said they lost Justin Verlander. They lost Jacob deGrom. That's Jacob deGrom, sorry. Yes. Thank you. I knew what you meant. Yes. Um, my bold prediction actually is Angels as well, but it's that Mike Trout puts up the best season of his career, which okay. is crazy. Yeah to say, but I just saw him, watched him during the WBC for Team USA, and you could just tell, I mean, he was elevating his game yeah. for sure, but there were so many stories, and Ken Rosenthal was always talking about it on TV or, you know, wrote a tweet about it as well, but just, like, the way that Trout was having so much fun out there, it was the first time, I th you know, he had never won a playoff game, right? Like, yeah. he had been in the playoffs, was it 2014, 15, whatever it was, last time he was in the playoffs, a was almost a decade ago, yeah. right, as a rookie, so, like, he, he doesn't know what that's like. I think he's a man on a mission this year. I think he and Shohei get the Angels to the playoffs, so like you said. But I think Trout, in order to do so, has to like put the team on his back the way we saw him do it for Team USA in the World Baseball Classic. So I actually think that this year, I again, going back to fantasy, because like, I'm in draft season right now, but I tried to get Trout on several teams and wasn't able to. But like 
I, I think he, he's going to have an absolutely monster season because he got a taste of that, and he wants to get back to that. In our marquee fantasy league, I got Mike Trout, so if your bold prediction's right, I am totally okay with that. There you go. <laughs> I'm just here to help you out, <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. All right, well, we're going to take a quick break, and when we get back, we asked a lot of these questions. Well, you asked a lot of these questions to Taylor McGregor, so let's hear her talk about bold prediction, MVP, Cy Young, all that for the Cubs season coming up. Get your Wintrust exclusive debit card. Get your Cubs card. Ooh, I'll take one. How much? Actually, they pay you $300. You heard right. Get a $300 bonus when you open a Cubs checking account with Wintrust. Enjoy all perks and purchase with pride every time with your Wintrust Cubs debit card. $300? What? I'll take $300. $300? Get your exclusive card at Wintrust.com slash Cubs. Only $100 required to open. No monthly minimum balance and no monthly maintenance fees. Member FDIC and equal housing lender. Welcome back to the Cubs Weekly Podcast. Here in, not really sunny Arizona, not sunny at all, actually, Arizona, but with Taylor McGregor. Are we in Chicago? We feels might like be in Chicago. It feels like uh, I Chicago. Mean, it's, it's, it's been the weirdest temperature-wise Arizona ever. Like, I think there's been probably, you know, again, if you're in Chicago during during these winter months, you, 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 you sound like we're spoiled brats, but there's only been like two days above like 75. There really has been. I think the warmest weekend for me was Super, Super Bowl weekend, which was actually before spring training started. <laughs> but to your point about coming down here and some, you know, Chicagoans are thinking we're spoiled. Here's my argument to that. In Chicago in the winter, you're prepared for the right. cold. We have right. the thick jackets. Right. We have the thick socks, the good shoes. I did not prepare for this. Most of my wardrobe that I brought down here were dresses and sandals. I have not been able to wear any of that. And instead, I've been stuck with the two jackets. Thank God that I brought one yeah. I actually had to buy down here. So it's been tough. It's it, crazy. It been, I've had to do laundry so much because I, I was like with you. I'm like, I don't I don't need that many pants. Like, I'll wear shorts and stuff. And I'm having to rewash. I'm having to do <laughs> laundry all the pants. time. It's, it's kind of annoying. Um, anyway, again. <laughs> Like we, we probably we probably sounds like spoiled brats, but whatever. Spring training, it's wrap, it, it's wrapped up. Seasons upon us. What have your takeaways been from spring training? What do you what kind of impressed you the most overall from spring training? I think the overall mindset has probably impressed me the most, and I know that sounds generic, but sure. again, this is my fourth season in Chicago, my first normal spring training, so yeah. maybe that has something to do with it a little bit, but it's the first time I think I've stepped into spring and there's an expectation to win, mm -hmm. and there's this sense of this year could be exciting, but in the years to come, it's going to be really exciting. Yeah. And I think people are finally getting a taste of that and realizing that that's just around the corner. I think it's real. It's certainly yeah. something that I felt. So I would just say the overall vibe of, all right, it's go time um, has kind of impressed me. Yeah, and, and something that we've seen firsthand in spring training that has been a storyline has been their new rules. So, Taylor, you've obviously been here. You've seen a lot of the games. The average fan might not have been following spring training as closely, and if you are maybe listening and you, you have been following, you, you kind of have seen the rules, but from a first-hand perspective, what have your takeaways been of the new rules, and, and what maybe would you say to the to the average fan that hasn't seen them really? Well, obviously, the, the one everyone's talking about is the pitch clock and how fast games are going. You know, yeah. now all of a sudden, three three-hour game feels long yeah. whereas before that was short you know if you got out of there in three hours it was a it was a good night so that is the one that jumps off the page and I've had casual baseball fans come up to me and say I sat down and watched a full spring training 
game for the first time in years. And so yeah. that's exciting that fans are getting brought back in just sheerly because the pace of play is there. But in addition to the pace of play, it's more action. And I'm talking about on the base pass. I think we're going to see a lot more stolen bases. We already have in spring and a lot more offensive production, banning the shift. Um, all of that has led to more action, which shorter games, more action is exactly what MLB wanted and they've gotten it so far and it's 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 been fun. Yeah, the the spring training games we've covered have been have been a lot of fun. There's been plenty of action on the on uh, going on. Definitely a fan of the new rules so far. Going back on the Cubs a little bit. You mentioned it, right? There's a, some optimism here this year. There's a lot of young players that you know, you think about it 2021, 2022, they're trading for these prospects and they seem like they're a million miles away, right? And and you're starting to see the the, the seeds of the first guys coming up. So who are some of the under-the-radar under players that maybe you're keeping an eye on this year that, that you think could impact the team this season? I don't know if he is under the radar after the spring training he's had, but Mike Talkman has been yeah. really exciting, especially in the absence of Seiya Suzuki early on in spring his presence has been felt and he's a guy who's not super vocal but i just feel like he stepped into this clubhouse and demanded respect and i think he's gotten that so far you know i actually covered him in colorado and then he went on to be with the yankees and played with a lot of superstars there he was overseas last year and he's a chicago kid so yeah. it means something to him to play for the cubs and uh he, he's a really good defender david ross has talked about that he has quality at bats and so i think he's a guy who you know might not put up the the superstar numbers sure. but I think the consistency that he could provide even off the bench once a you know a healthy Seiya Suzuki comes back I think it's going to make a really good impact and you know by the end of the year you you won't really call him under the radar so we talked about Mike Talkman and we talked about you know veteran guy who could impact the team but on the younger side the minor league side we've seen a lot of guys that have impacted the that could impact down the road there's some guys that could potentially impact the Cubs in 2023. So who's one guy that you're maybe looking out for either early on in the season or late on the season that could impact the Cubs in, in 2023? Well, I think when you first asked that question, my mind goes to Matt Mervis and yeah. minor league player of the year a year ago, the power that it was on display. And I think a lot of fans would echo that sentiment that they want to see him in the yeah. major leagues. And, and the chances of him being in the big leagues at some point this season are pretty high. Um, but I think Cam Sanders, the what, what he's put on display here at camp, just the power arm that he is the velo up there I mean he he's a guy who I think will also make the big league squad at some point this season and could be a huge help out of the bullpen um, you know the Cubs have had so much success with the bullpen but think about a year ago when uh, Brandon Hughes comes up and the impact that he had down the yeah. stretch I mean he was the Cubs best bullpen arm down the stretch and I think you could see a guy like Cam Sanders come up um, you know when when just like the ebbs of flows of baseball happen and maybe yeah. there's a downtime in the bullpen and you need a guy like him to come to the rescue and I think he could do just that and be really exciting I think that's a great choice and I think that's something that Jed Hoyer's mentioned he's want to do right like the, the bullpen ideally in the future all comes from in-house guys that you can bring up guys like Cam Sanders and can impact it so I, I think that's a very real possibility he's he's open he's opened my eyes for sure I did, he was not on my radar per se and as he continued to pitch in spring training I'm like this guy this guy's got something uh on that kind of on that same thinking, who do you think is going to be the biggest surprise, or what do you think the biggest surprise will be in, in 2023 for the Cubs? You know, I think one one player who could make an impact on the Cubs and also surprise Major League Baseball is Edwin Rios, mm -hmm. and it shouldn't come as a surprise right. because when you look at his, the, his past, 
a homer every 13 at bats. That's a ridiculous stat, um, especially when you compare it to some of the other greats yeah. and, and, you know, home run crazed hitters. Um, but he just was not given a, a big opportunity in mm -hmm. L.A. I think he had 260-ish at bats in four years in Los Angeles. And so now he could come here and have the chance to get much more consistent playing time. And already in spring, four homers, you know, uh, that's where he's at right now as, as we tape this. And so he's been, he's been a ton of fun. The pop has been on display. We've talked a little bit about the adjustments he's made, messing around with the leg kick and the toe tap. Um, and so he's proved that he can kind of make in-game adjustments. And I think when he's given a chance to play every single day, he could be really exciting yeah. and not only impact the Cubs, but, you know, be a star in baseball. On that similar front, Ed, if Edwin Rios is your breakout player, surprise player of the year who do you think the the mvp of the chicago cubs in 2023 will be the mvp that's putting a, you on the spot a I, bit. you are putting me on the spot here a little bit my mvp is going to be nico horner um okay. the consistency i i foresee him adding a little bit more power moving to second base we know he's an elite second baseman has a chance to potentially win a gold glove at that position this year and I expect him to put together a full major league season you know we saw him do it a year a year ago albeit a little bit of uh, injury at the end but um, I think the consistency that he's going to provide the defense um, I've always loved Nico's game and I think he is going to be that guy who holds it all together and yeah um, and really helps this offense go even in the stretches where maybe the team isn't the hottest. All right. Talk about the offensive side. Let's switch to the pitching side. Who will be the Cubs' Cy Young? Not, not Obviously not the league-wide Cy Young, but it, who will be the Cubs' best pitcher in 2023? So this is a the bold statement, I think, a little bit, but just based upon what we've seen here in spring training, I am so fired up about Hayden Wisniewski. Yeah. And granted, he has got to do it in the big leagues over a period of time. But the slider's real. The stuff is so real. Um, fastball command. He's an exciting. <laughs> he's an exciting player to watch, and um, I think he he's he's going to provide depth to the rotation that the Cubs need. And um, and I'm not sure there's going to be a, a one Cy Young. I think sure. overall, when I look at the Cubs rotation particularly, I'm just excited about the overall depth. And I think every day. You're marching out a starter out there who's going to put together a really nice start for you. You know, you might not get a Garrett Cole type numbers, right. but he's going to give the team a chance to win. And I think that's the most exciting part. All right. So we talked a little bit about individual wise. Let's, let's talk about the team front. A lot of, you know, either betting websites, stat predictions have the Cubs penciled in around 77 and a half wins. So are you, do you think that's a little too low? Are you taking the over? Are you taking the under? And if you're taking the over or under, do you, do you kind of have a number in mind, or am I putting you too much on the spot there? <laughs> no, you you always put me on the spot. I love it. I'm going to go over, and I'm going to go um, low 80s. So okay. uh, let's say 82 wins this season. And my reason for that number is the rotation. Yeah. You know, we saw a year ago, the second half of the season, the reason the Cubs finished above 500 in the second half is because of their rotation, and they and they had a really good run down the stretch. And now I think a lot of those – guys are back they're healthy and you added the depth and so it's only going to get better and so I'm just really excited about what those guys can do I think the bullpen you know Tommy Hotovy and his staff the last couple of years have proven that they're going to be just fine yep. um, assembling a bullpen and so you add that into the mix I'm really excited overall about our pitching staff and or the Cubs pitching staff I should say and um, 
I think it's going to be over for the wins total. All right. I think I, I think I know where you're going on this one, but your bold prediction for the Cubs in 2023, what is it? You, you can be pretty bold sometimes, so I want, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm excited for what this will be. <laughs> bold prediction for the Cubs. So should I just stay on the, the pitching trend? Because I think overall that's what I'm excited about the most because I could say it a million times over. This game is always going to be based on your pitching staff and how dominant those guys are. And I think this team could finish – I'm going to say top eight in baseball in ERA. Um, and For rotation or overall? I think overall. Okay. Um, and much better in runs prevention. So I think, you know, just defensively, it, they're going to be so much better. But let's stick to the pitching top eight rotate or ERA in all of baseball. I know that's not super bold, but I think bold enough to, to believe in that. I, I really think this group could be solid. And, um, and they'll just build upon that and – it's going to be a fun year. I mean, I think that that would be the the basis for a successful season for the Cubs if if that bold prediction comes true. I want to go league wide. If give me a, a bold prediction for for MLB in 2023, it doesn't have to be Cubs specific. Give me a bold prediction for 2023. Okay, I don't know how bold this really is because you just look at the dollar signs next to all of the contracts that are <laughs> on this team. But I'm going to go the San Diego Padres okay. are the World Series winners okay. in 2023. I think it's bold because at the end of the day. They've been solid the last couple of years, but they still haven't won the division. Yep. And, yes, they went to the NLCS, but they didn't make it to the World Series. And so um, I think they finally go win it all. They added a ton of pieces this year, you know, extended a lot of guys yeah. even on their team, you right. know, most notably in spring Manny Machado, even though he's still owed $150 million, but good for him. Um, so I think they finally take over the NL West. They win that division and they go on to win the World Series. That's my bold prediction. I like it. I mean, I think I, I don't think it's I, I think it's easy to say that that isn't bold, but I think <laughs> it really bold. is bold when you think about that. Like the Dodgers are still the probably the cream of the crop of the division. So I, I'm with you. I'll defend you guys. So it's a little bold. <laughs> I think it's so bold that, you know, I'm choking. So <laughs> <laughs> here we are. All right. We're going to wrap up with something fun. You obviously get to go on the road a lot with the teams. I'm going to ask you, what's the series in 2023 that you're anticipating the most, that you're circling the most? And I'm going to add a caveat. You can't circle London because obviously that, that's well, probably yeah, it. That's, that, probably that's true. It actually, you know, when I was thinking about this question, London didn't even popped to mind. So maybe that just, I don't know what that says about where my head's at. <laughs> I think my head is at where the WBC was at. And okay. let's be honest, how epic was the final out of yep. the final game between Shohei Otani and Mike Trout, two of the greatest players in the world, teammates, and that's how the game ends. So I think I'm most looking forward to going to Anaheim. I've never covered a game there. I've been to a game. I went to the All-Star game in 2010. Okay. Um, so getting back there and seeing those two guys in, in person is going to be pretty special. Yeah, very fun atmosphere to see Shohei Otani go up against against the Cubs. Maybe we'll see Seiya Suzuki at that point mm -hmm. with Seiya Suzuki going up against Shohei Otani. It's going to be a lot of fun. Taylor, thank you so much for joining us on the Cubs Weekly Podcast. It was a blast. It was always a blast hanging out with you, Andy. All right, that was a super fun podcast. Andy, thanks for your time. We thank Taylor McGregor as well, obviously. And uh, that'll do it for this edition of the Cubs Weekly Podcast presented by Wintrust. Don't forget to download and subscribe to the pod on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and check us out in video form in the Marquee Sports Network app and YouTube. We'll be here every single week throughout the season to recap all the Cubs news, discuss everything going on with the roster or any other talk about the team. So follow us throughout the entire 2023 season here on the Cubs Weekly Podcast.